everyone, and welcome to Brunch and Learn. I'm your host, Nicole Dillon, and this is a podcast for women who love to brunch, like myself. Here, we talk about two of my favorite topics, brunch, obviously, and the idea that we can learn something new every day. Each episode will interview a new female powerhouse, gab as though we're girlfriends at brunch, and learn something for our brains. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Brunch and Learn podcast. Today, we have guest Lexi Smith. She is the founder behind the PR Bar Inc., and she is joining us today. Welcome, Lexi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Uh, So how about we kick things off? Let's get started. Tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself, who you are, what are you working on? What's the PR Bar? Sure. So I will start with me because I'm probably a little more interesting. Hopefully. I am originally from Portland, Oregon. I now live in Ventura, California. I came here after college. Went to college up in Oregon. I was a University of Oregon duck. I'm a wife. I have a rescue dog who I love. Love wine, true crime. Passion-wise, I'd say travel, but right now I know we're kind of all stuck at home, but I can juggle. That's kind of a fun fact I like to throw out there. The PR bar is my company and in short, it is a online brand and coaching platform that I created to empower entrepreneurs and business owners to really build their own empire. And in short, what that means is I teach them to increase their influence, impact, and revenue with PR. There's a few ways I do that. We can go into that now, later, up to you. Stop me at any time. I can ramble on. (laughs) Awesome. And I guess I wanted to also learn a little bit more about yourself in terms of your career path so far. I think we had connected earlier, and I know you had mentioned that you had, in the beginning stages of your career, worked on the agency side. But I was just curious, of did you go to school and study PR? What was that career path looking like for you and kind of what sparked that desire in your mission to start the PR bar and do coaching and help entrepreneurs? Like what sparked all of that? How did it begin? Yeah, I will take you way back because I think it's kind of an interesting story. I joke because if you look quite literally in my fifth grade yearbook, it says, when I grow up, I want to be an Oscar award-winning actress. So My ambitions started very large, and then by college, those had transformed into, okay, maybe I don't want to be an actress, but I'll be a news anchor. So I started college double majoring in journalism, broadcasting, and public relations, just because the two seemed kind of natural, and it was my sophomore year. So just a quick reminder, I went to school in Oregon. My National Broadcasting Society Club was in New York for a convention, and I was quite literally on the streets of New York City, and there was a gentleman in an Oregon duck, which is our mascot shirt, and his son on the street, and that was a very small world, so I went up to him and I go, go ducks! That led into a conversation, and it turned out he was the owner of an agency in New York and San Francisco that had a satellite office in the town where I went to school, which 
anyone can look where Eugene, Oregon is on a map. That's a very, very small world. Fast forward, that transitioned into my very first job in PR. Simultaneous to that, so that was one lane. What was also happening at that time is I had an internship with CBS where quite literally in 24 hours, I watched an entire morning show get laid off due to a network decision. So I had this whoa moment that this is a very unstable industry plus this kind of happenstance of an opportunity with PR. And I decided to shift main goal one of journalism to PR. And yeah, I started in PR firms in undergrad, already got to work for a firm, which was great. And then I graduated. I actually moved down to Los Angeles before even my graduation date. I finished my last final on a Wednesday, drove down to California on Thursday and started my job the next day with my orientation where well everyone else was walking at graduation which by the way I do regret that decision I wish I had I had those pictures of me in the cap and gown but so yeah I, I moved that's how I got down to Los Angeles it was another agency from agency I about a year and a half in was recruited to come in-house for a hospitality group in Los Angeles that had properties throughout the greater Los Angeles area in Beverly Hills Hollywood very glamorous however being from Portland, Oregon, LA was kind of a big culture shock for me. And I laugh because I studied abroad in Italy for six months in college. And I say that, yeah, oh, where? Uh, in Florence. Florence, beautiful, great pizza. Where'd you study? <laughs> no one's ever heard of it. It's a very small town called Machuara in the Marque district. So cool. It was not my first choice. That's a whole nother story. But I say that moving to LA was a bigger culture shock to me than living abroad. So a couple years into that job, long story short, I decided to move an hour north to Ventura with my now husband, and I transitioned industries pretty drastically. I went from hospitality and lifestyle to telecommunications, which is internet and voice services and really just technology. And I quickly evolved, climbed the corporate ladder, however you want to call it, within that company, became a vice president. And one day was sitting, sorry, this is a long story, but I, I told you I'm going to take you back. <laughs> I was in Washington, D.C. in a, I was 26, I was in Washington, D.C. in a room of white men over the age of probably 50 or 60. And I had this moment where I was like, wow, this yeah, not my thing. So I, I started to kind of realize as much love as I had for the company that employed me, the industry was not my jam, so to say. And I started brainstorming. I've always wanted to have my own company. This kind of seemed like I had enough experience under my belt to finally take, take that leap. I then started to look at the market. I started to do, you know, a lot of worksheets, what do I like, what do I not like, and I know that I'm really good at PR, so that made sense, and I noticed that with every position I've ever had, whether it be interns or the entrepreneurs or clients, I had a love of teaching and coaching, just I'm really, really passionate about it, so I looked at what options were in the marketplace for PR, and there's a ton of agencies, and there's a fair amount of online courses 
but there wasn't something in the middle that was really kind of a more one-on-one -on -one style program approach. And then that's long story ending with how I launched the PR bar and went full time with it actually just this past January. So I'm in it. <laughs> that's so cool. I love hearing those backstories of how people got to where they are. So thank you for sharing. And I, I guess let's, let's get right into it. Like, let's start with the basics. Like, what the heck is uh, public relations? How do you get started? I have seen your amazing videos on Instagram, and I just love all of them. But I love the one that you explained that there was six different, quote unquote, air quotes, relations. So could you give the listeners an overview of PR, those different relations types? Yes, this is one of my absolute favorite things to talk about because I am on a freaking mission to educate or re-educate the mar marketplace on what PR is and can be. So one quick one-liner, what is PR? It's the art of cultivating opportunities through strategic relationship building and maintenance. Okay, what does that mean? So I want you to focus in on that word relationship. Within PR, there are six different categories or relations that we focus on. These six relations are our stakeholders. They're our target audiences, which will make sense in just a second. So they are, we have industry. So our brand or our company's relationship with those in the industry that can be other vendors, for example. We have public, so public relations, our relationship with the public. Then we have client or customer relations, right? So our relationship with customers or our clients. Then we have community relations. That can be both physically wherever you live. That can also be virtual. So a virtual community, which obviously right now, 2020, is a big deal. Then we have media relations, which this right here is what people most traditionally associate with PR. So that's our relationship with the media. And then the final one, the sixth one, is investor. So our relationship with either current or potential investors so pr actually just to give you a little color on that can be a big part of the process or an asset used to raise capital so pr is how we interact as a brand within each of those categories there's a, a bunch of tactics that that go into that but high level are you are we are, am i making sense so far yes okay cool so this is how i tell people where to start because that's a lot you start with your objective. So get very, very, very clear. I say the more quantitative, the better. So, oh, here's an example. Let's say you are a product-based business and your objective right now is to get online sales from $5,000 to $10,000. What relations have an effect on you obtaining that goal, right? So I would say, of all the six, if we're trying to increase online sales, then public, the public would have an effect because those are potential new customers. The media could have an effect because they're the ones talking about your products, customers in terms of referrals. So you start to match your objective with the relationships that play a factor in. And that's really the first thing you do. First week of my program, that is what we do hands down we figure out which relations do we need to be focusing on and is media always one of them 
Not necessarily. Usually, yes, to some degree, but sometimes that's the second or third relation you relationship you should focus on. Sometimes community is the first place we want to think about. Maybe that's the quickest path to cash, so to say. It just really depends on the business type and the goals and other factors. Yeah, I would think, especially even if you don't have a product and you're just even trying to pitch yourself to speak or be a subject matter expert, there's a whole other full set of goals and objectives to that. Exactly. But yeah, I love that video because I didn't even think about communities in that way. Yeah, that's probably one of the biggest aha moments that people have when they work with me. And we do it first and foremost. And they'll come to me thinking they want to learn one thing. They'll grasp that concept and have this whoa moment of, wow, it really PR really is this holistic approach to a lot of different things. So I think it's cool, but maybe I'm biased. <laughs> well, I did want to talk a little bit more about media kits. What are they? Like, what are the different types of media kits? Let's maybe start there. Okay. So a media kit is an asset. So I'm going to build off that now. So that's the simplest form. Now there are... Would, would you also say, is that like maybe the next step of like you're, you've done your goals, you've done your objectives? Okay, so there are three forms technically of a media kit. A PDF, a shareable drive such as Google Drive or Dropbox and somewhere on your website. However, the other set of three to think about is there are three audiences for a media kit and three purposes. So stick with me here. We can have a media kit whose target audience is the media, which would mean its purpose is to help you land press. Now, next category, you can actually have a media kit for advertisers. That serves a different purpose and looks a little different because it has a different target audience. That media kit's job is to prove to the advertiser that you're worth their money. And then the third one is a media kit really for sponsorships and collaborations. So once again, different audience, different things that go in it, different purpose. There are definitely crossovers between all the three. So, you know, you'll have a about the company present in each one, but an advertising media kit will probably have advertising costs where in a media media kit, that's not necessarily important. So I always suggest to my clients get very, very clear on the audience you're trying to reach and draft your media kit accordingly. Makes sense. Especially okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Again, goes back to what your goals and objectives are if you are quote unquote, air quotes, a influencer and you're trying to get sponsors that is going to look different of your probably rate cards, more about you, maybe clients you've worked with in the past, what's your demographic, as opposed to media. It's a whole other beast. Uh, exactly. Where you've been, who you are. What's your story? So exactly. exactly, you're nailing it on the head. You get it. I did, like, I took a couple. I, I'm in marketing as my day job, but, like, I feel like they go so hand in hand but they're also kind of very separate, at least in my company, they're separate, which is 
odd because I always in back in school like myself I always I took a couple classes where it was merging the two right there that's another common question is where they integrate and where they separate which there are certain cross there's definitely crossovers but yes there are foundational differences as well for sure did you want to go into that sure okay <laughs> so i'm a visual person i say visualize marketing as an umbrella and pr is a little stripe on that umbrella so it's a subcategory now because of this hierarchy there are differences and one really simple example to talk about is metrics you know a marketing department and a pr department they measure different things so the marketing department will track different metrics in a pr department for example marketing departments might look at the click-through rate in an email a pr department might instead be analyzing share of voice how much your voice is showing up in the news over your competitor so they're very integrated in their tactics you know usually every marketing campaign has some sort of pr element for example but when we put it down on paper there are some foundational differences going back to media kits i know you talk about this a lot in your videos in your instagram in life can you diy it <laughs> and i mean like if so like any tips or essentials that you feel that are needed to be included in a media kit like or quote unquote don'ts shouldn't be included what are your thoughts on it yeah so really anyone can di it depends on the person right is it physically possible to diy a media kit absolutely however how great are you at graphics now that being said there's a ton of free templates available on websites such as canva and Creative Cloud, Adobe has a bunch of different, you can quite literally just Google press release templates. In fact, Etsy even sells them. So if you have some sort of basic editing ability, then yeah, you can do it yourself. However, if that's not your strong suit, then obviously you can, you can hire that. So just like anything in life, you can hire someone to do it or you can do it yourself. As far as what goes in it, I have a checklist I usually give people. I don't know if you want to make a link to that available in the show notes, but I can yeah. certainly send your way. And again, it depends on what type of media kit you're making, but it goes back to you're going to want some sort of PDF. You're going to want some sort of shareable drive where you house photos and bios and logos, for example. And then you want somewhere on your website to be a press room or newsroom that houses your assets as well. Yeah, and I think I loved that I, I did see another video that that is what you do and work with your clients on of kind of doing that initial step, but making it so that in the long run, there are birds that are gonna flap their wings <laughs> and you're providing that initial support. And I love that kind of, take on your business as well. Thank you. Yeah, the, the media kit for my pop clink clients, and actually in my corporate client clients, they all get a media kit included, but they get complete ownership of the design files so they can edit it forevermore. And I obviously walk them through what it is and they understand it so that they have the capability of 
using it and editing it going forward. My, my whole philosophy with my program is I do it with you until you can fully DIY yourself. So you don't need me. Be my friend, but I'm not doing my job if you are not confident to be operating independent post-start time together. Yeah, I love that. And I think I love that you had also had mentioned, and you had sent this to me as well, which was extremely helpful, but having that package of serving different types of photos, your bio and different sizes of the description uh, and word count, that is always helpful, especially on my end with requests that I get for podcast interviews, but I obviously also for the media because you don't want to be, you know, everywhere and having to make it more work for them. So I loved that. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, the point is if you're really getting press ready, you want to make the press. So whether that be a podcaster or a writer's life as easy as freaking possible. So if you know basic press assets to prepare ahead of time, one example I have for podcasts, if you can, I always say give them both a square option and an option of you without a background so that they can just pop that into their podcast cover art. The easier you make it, the A, the more likely you're gonna land the placement, and B, they're gonna have a positive experience with you, which relationship building is 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 not just PR that's life right yeah and your story and anything else yeah photos stories links to social have that prepped ready to go the word choice the word links is really um important too because some for example a speaker bio is a different length than a byline in an article so if you just prep that ahead of time yeah, it takes time when you're prepping it that first time, but then you have it on deck, ready to go. Is there any don'ts or things you shouldn't include? Don't have it be a novel. It should be. So I have three versions of my media kit that, so I have a media media kit, an advertising media kit, and a sponsor media kit. And I actually do customize that per person I send it to because I want it to be as relevant and customized and targeted as possible. So to answer your question high level, don't have something in there that whoever you're sending it to really doesn't need to know or won't care about. There's a little bit of self-judgment there, but be concise, make it relevant. Don't, oh, I think that here's the other thing to not do. Don't speak in first person. Have it able to be copy and pasted for their use. So have it in third person. That's a mistake I often see because then they can just copy and paste your bio. If you write it in the first person, they're going to have to rewrite it for their purposes. I like that. And I think you'd also mentioned to do your research because you've had people spell your name wrong. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> You're home, you guys. <laughs> if you want to go into pitching do's and don'ts, that's a whole nother a whole nother thing. But we can. I mean, yeah, I I have a million and one don'ts on that. (laughs) Guys, get their name right, especially if it's their email address. Oh my goodness gracious. I will say I write as well. And this is not just my personal pet peeve, but it's a huge personal pet peeve. But I've certainly talked to other journalists. If you can't get their name right, you've already turned them on, turned them, excuse me, turned them off in the first line if you can't get that right, why should they spend their time 
reading the rest of your pitch when they likely have 100 other pitches in their inbox. So step one, <laughs> get their name and their spelling correct. Please do yourself a favor. Have a catchy subject line. Catchy subject line is huge. Your, your pitch, you know, gone are the days of bulk pitching. Your pitch should be really, really custom tailored to each and every writer. It is all about quality over quantity. You need to put in the work beforehand. Don't make your pitch too long. Don't send them a novel. It should be somewhere around that 200 to 250 word length. That is what quote unquote uh, data is showing us is an ideal length. Make sure you get their, their industry right, or excuse me, their publication correct. Make sure you understand what their beat is. A beat in PR is the topic they write about. So don't pitch a technology editor about your beauty product, right? Know who the audience is of the outlet. So don't pitch your beauty product, again, to a tech publication. They have a different audience. So do the research beforehand. Yeah, it takes more time, but that's what lands press placements is that research and that custom tailored approach. And I will tell you, journalists can sniff through the BS really easy. So if it's a copy and paste template, they will, they'll be able to tell that pretty quick. I think I love that. Uh, another thing in that you had said, again, video, uh, <laughs> I've mentioned that a thousand times. <laughs> I did my research, but to on the back end, be ready for that if it hits. So is your website optimized for what's next? If you're getting press or what have you, and they go to your website and is there a next call to action? Do you sign up for something? Can they, can they buy something? Can they be added to your newsletter? Like, what does that look like? I, I like that as well. Yeah, thank you. That goes right back, you know, earlier you asked how, what pe people listening, what you can do, if you want to start doing PR. One, yes, get your objectives clear, figure out your relations. Part of your getting press ready part, part of that asset creation and assembly is optimizing your website or wherever you're going to be sending press. Because what the heck is the point of getting a great article if people then go to your website, they don't know what you do, where to go, it just, it won't convert. So then it just seems like a wasted effort. So part of getting press ready is making sure your website's optimized, making sure your systems and your inventory, if your product base is prepped and ready. Example of this, Shark Tank, I got a lot of my first uh, start in Shark Tank PR. And when you're on Shark Tank, you have to prepare your, for a flux, an influx of inventory. You have to prepare your systems for an overhaul of emails. You have to prepare your call center. Think about what could happen if this blows up. However, also mentally prepare yourself for crickets. That's kind of the not so fun part is that can also happen. So prepare for the best case, maybe mentally expect the worst and you'll end up somewhere on top. <laughs> I love that and I think all in all, uh, check out Lexi's Instagram videos because they're amazing. I've referenced them like five times. I'm biased because this podcast is going to be amazing, but 
uh, check those out because I got so many great tips. And I, the next question I had that came from our community was, is there another successful way to promote a book or product besides social media? Great question. Answer is yes. Here's some ideas. You can, well, we're talking about PR, right? So you can promote them on online publications. You can go on podcasts. You can, when we talk about community relations, go to networking groups, start talking about your product, drive that word of mouth. Think of places offsite, you know, take yourself back 10 years before we had Instagram, before we had Facebook. How are we promoting things. Those avenues still exist. Now, are they the most effective? That will depend. That will depend on your audience. You can also work on SEO, right? Work on writing blog posts. So you show up in Google. There are a ton of different ways you can promote your product or a book was an example outside of just social media. Should social media be a part? Absolutely. But it's just that it's a part. And then a follow-up question I had was I just wanted to or I'd love to have your thoughts on should PR be incorporated in social media marketing strategy? Do you think social media is changing PR? So social media is changing the world. <laughs> Has it changed PR in in the sense of what PR is? No. Has it changed the tactics and way we go about things? Yes. So that also kind of goes back to what we were chatting about earlier, how PR and marketing are forever more integrating. And if we remember that PR fundamentally is connecting with these different stakeholders, then social media is one avenue in which we can do that. Depending on how large your company is, you know, there might be a separate social media department and a separate PR department. However, they should be working very, very closely together because a big part of PR is messaging. And if you're going to have a department or social media, they're promoting your company and having a public face facing message that needs, you know, there needs to be an integration and a strategy, strategy behind that. So short answer, social media is changing everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I also wanted to know, I know we touched a little bit about this, but I feel like I'm a big data person, data nerd. I like analytics. Can you talk a little bit more about how to track ROI, return on investment, on your PR efforts? Yeah, I'm with you. Huge data nerd over here. Um, and I actually have an entire unit of this in my course because it's really important. And historically, it's actually something that people within the field have struggled to do. Now, just for context, there are different softwares out on the market that can help you. But if we're talking foundationally, the first thing I like to explain to people is there's three different types of ROI that can come from press. And that's really important to understand. So I'll go over them real quick. The first one is you have press that can lead to what I call an immediate revenue generator. So you're a candle company. You get featured in a gift guide. Users can click to purchase your candle there is an immediate quantifiable return. However, that's not always the case. So the other two ROIs that can come from PR is, one is called a word of mouth driver. So something that really gets people talking. An example of this would be, let's say you have a local business journal and you're featured, your company is featured in an award roundup, 
right? So now people in your community are talking about you. They're now aware of you. That down the line can translate into new hires. That can translate into new cash flow. It just has a longer lead time to get there, making it a little harder to track. And then the third one, the third type of ROI is what I call a credibility or a door opener. And this is most associated with those large logos. So people often come to me and they're logo chasing and I have to ask them why. And one of the things that logos can do for us is build credibility and authority. So a feature in Forbes, for example, might not necessarily generate immediate revenue. However, it's going to associate your brand with Forbes making you seem more credible, which for sure has an effect in the buying process. So are you, is that all making sense so far? Yeah. Okay. So when you think of it that way, then obviously it's a lot easier to track the, the type of press that has an immediate revenue generator. You can look at website visitors. You can look at an increase in social following. You can look at, um, there's a ton of kind of like marketing, a lot of metrics you can track there. When it gets a little harder is when we talk about those other two types. However, things I encourage you to, to look at and keep track of are, are you getting an influx of calls after a certain, certain piece of press? Are you noticing that, or did you get any opportunities that came from it? Perhaps a new wholesaler saw you in an outlet and that's leading to another opportunity. I have a whole tracking metric system I give my clients, but that just kind of gives you a peek behind the curtain. The immediate revenue generators are a lot more like marketing. There's a lot more trackable metrics. Those other two, it's a little bit more of a manual keeping track and seeing what, what came from it and connecting the dots. Would you say that if, do you, I guess, do you necessarily know when someone's going to publish something or is it just that you should do a google alert on yourself or your company like how would you know <laughs> um sometimes you will know most of the time you won't so there's a few different things you can and should do one you should absolutely have some sort of google alert set up for your company name or your founder name or your product name just ongoing if you are actively pitching something, then make sure you're actively searching for when that's published. So if, and just to give, in case people don't know, I'm gonna use Haro as an example. Haro is a service for anyone listening. If you want a great place to get started with PR, stands for helpareporterout.com. It's free and it connects journalists with sources. So if I am pitching a journalist through Haro, I will likely know their outlet and their topic. So I can start searching the news to see if that article went live. I can also just do time searches on my name. You know, has, has the PR bar shown up in Google in the last 24 hours? So definitely don't just rely on Google alerts. Do proactive searching as well. There's softwares out there that help you media monitor. And then pay attention to the backend analytics of your website. So... In fact, if, especially if you do know something's coming out, then you should be honing in very, very specifically on that date to see what's happening. You can also track referral sites. 
That's another thing you can do through Google. You can see what type of sites were bringing you traffic. That's something you should dive into. So there's a whole world of stuff that you can now put into you know, a document to make informed decisions. You can do it manual, DIY, or you can pay money and get a software. Um, I'm sure even five years from now, there'll be a whole other set of you know, softwares out there, but it is all doable by yourself or DIY if you want to dedicate the time. Any other final PR thoughts? <sighs> yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting. Back when I was in the agency world and I worked in-house, I didn't really ever have to explain the value of PR to people. They knew it. That's what I was hired to do. Now that I'm a business owner in this world, there's a huge education deficit, for lack of a better word, of really what PR is and why your business needs it. And if, you know, you listen to my definition of what it is, every business needs PR. It's just a matter of what type. So educate yourself and get really clear. The cool thing about PR is, yeah, sometimes it can cost money if you do pay for plays, but largely it's organic. So if you want to talk about sustainable growth opportunities, think about PR over advertising. Just get used to saying that word and get used to the idea that it's more than just magazines, I think is kind of yeah. my ending cult action there. <laughs> yeah. More than gift guides. Yeah. Gift guides are great. Those can be immediate revenue generators, but the world is so much more expansive than exactly. that. That's what I've learned <laughs> from you. Good. Mission accomplished. <laughs> How about we go into some fun last questions, wrap up questions. Let's do it. First off, do you like brunch? Absolutely. <laughs> Are you sure? I, I'm, I am sure. I've actually hosted brunches as PR events. Love brunch. Huge fan. <laughs> So then what is your favorite brunch meal, restaurant, recipe, could be anything? Um, bottomless mimosas, if that counts, and Belgian waffles, or yeah, Belgian waffles, you know, with the strawberry and the whipped cream. Yeah, the hearty waffle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not every Saturday, but, you know, if my birthday comes around, that's what I'm, I'm asking for. Do you have a favorite place where you live? I did when I lived in LA, now in Ventura. I haven't brunched much. That was much more of the culture down in Los Angeles than, than up here, to be honest. I would say if you live in LA, check out, there's so many good ones. I'll, I'll throw this out just because it was a past client and they have incredible rooftop views. But if you go to above 60 in Beverly Hills and specifically Caulfields, uh, that's their restaurant, phenomenal brunch. So there's my little suggestion for anyone local to LA. Past that. Can't help you. <laughs> and since this is the Brunch and Learn podcast, we talked about brunch and food. But for the learning aspect, we did learn a lot today. So thank you again. But I wanted to hear from you of what is one thing that you learned this week? And it could be anything. Something you read, a class, an app, anything. Can I share 1.5 things? Yes. Really? Two? Just More than the rear. Okay, so the first one, which I literally learned about probably an hour before filming this, did you know that the first time you burn a candle had, plays a huge, huge factor into the longevity of how long that candle will last? 
No, I did not. It does. Fun fact, you're supposed to, the first time you light your candle, burn it for at least two hours if you want it to actually last a long time. So I learned that this morning. I have a client candle. and That's what I was just going to ask. I, I've seen your client candle. Yeah. Shout out to Melbourne Apothecary. So I learned that. The other thing I learned, I've done a ton of IG lives. I've never done an Instagram takeover until this week. I took over the Women in PR Instagram account, and I've got like 75 followers in a day from it. It was pretty phenomenal. So I learned that those rock. Yeah, that's on a list. I would love to do a takeover or an IG live if that's still a popular thing. Those, you know, I've done a ton of lives and... With the takeovers. It kind of blew my mind. I, I mean, I'm still fielding, I got like four inter- intern requests from it. I got a bunch of followers. I don't know if that account specifically is just awesome, which I think it is. But yeah, so I learned about candles and I learned that IG lives are really great for PR purposes. Yeah, I think finally... Where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, so I have a website. It's theprbarinc.com. And you can follow me on social at theprbarinc. Yeah, come connect with me.